Welcome to In Any Event, the podcast about events for event planners. I'm your host, Michael Kranitz, CEO of EventSquid. EventSquid is registration and management software that thinks like you and works like eight of you. Today on our show, we have the Director of Customer Operations for the Space Foundation, Randy Rivera. Now, the Space Foundation is located in Colorado Springs and was founded back in 1983 and is the world's premier organization that inspires, educates, connects, and advocates on behalf of the global space community. And with the newly formed Space Force, is going to take an even bigger role than they already have. The Space Foundation hosts an annual event called the Space Symposium. And at the Space Symposium, just about every aerospace company in the world is represented. And this event goes on annually. And Randy is responsible for it. So that huge effort falls on Randy's shoulders. And today we're going to talk to her about this mammoth event and how she manages to pull it off. We'll talk about her work-life balance and anything else that comes up. Randy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael, for having me. It's a pleasure. So for context, Randy, tell us about the Space Symposium and what it means for the community of Colorado Springs. Sure. So like you mentioned, we were founded in 1983. We were planning on hosting our 36th Space Symposium this year prior to COVID. And so every year has been hosted in Colorado Springs. We started as a very small event in a five-diamond resort that many of you have probably heard of, the Broadmoor. It started with about 200 local space communities since we are a huge military uh, town. And so we had about 200 space professionals around that gathered. And we've just worked it up and we grew a great reputation on our outreach. We're a nonprofit and we're always advocating for the space community and trying to teach the community the importance that space plays in our everyday lives. And as the events kind of evolved, word of mouth came that we were pulling premier people into this event. And as you mentioned, today we bring in about 15,000 people from around the world, some of the highest ranked military officials in not only the Air Force, but all branches of the military. We bring heads of agencies from many different countries, CEOs from some of our big commercial companies and some of our startups. And it's just a great platform for all these different people to discuss their ideas and the new innovative things coming out. And as you mentioned, we love that it's been hosted in Colorado Springs. Um, It does bring so much attention and awareness to our community. It has a very impactful economic footprint on our city with, you know, the hospitality industries and the tourism industries. And it just gets our, our name on the map. And as we are working towards this new space force and trying to find a home, it's just a good reason, another good reason why they need to be here. And so for our listeners who are outside of Colorado, Colorado Springs is loaded with aerospace and military, starting with the Air Force Academy, Peterson Air Force Base, NORAD, Cheyenne Mountain. It is Air Force, military, aerospace. 
And now you're saying that Space Force will be coming to Colorado Springs, at least temporarily? Correct, Michael. So as it stands, the Space Command is actually located out at Peterson for the next six years. And they're currently bidding certain areas um, for several different factors. They're looking at, you know, the whole demographical area, who can start it now, what would need to be done to build something. And we are a good candidate. Just like you mentioned, we have all of those resources already here, a huge Air Force presence. They're already temporarily here located, like I said, for the next six years. So why not just keep them here? We would love to have them. It would continue to flourish and we would be the main leader for all things space. Ah, that sounds great. Uh, Especially since I'm up the street and can come visit at any time. You absolutely can. And I actually live next, my land backs up to the Air Force Academy. And I'm fortunate enough that I get to see the Thunderbirds fly over regularly. So I get a free show um, at least once a week. Not fair. (laughs) I had to rub it in. Yes, you did. The Space Symposium for our listeners I don't think they grasp the level of insanity that is involved in this event, not only from a registration perspective, but also from an execution perspective. Describe who comes to the event and what sort of security measures you have to take on site to accommodate them. Absolutely. And like you said, this is a huge undertaking and it blows my mind every year how much we do with as little staff as we do it. We attract for our events very high caliber people. We've had the vice president at our events. We've had secretary of the Air Force, the secretary of the entire defense of the United States. These people require us to shut down entire buildings and clear them out prior to them being on site. I mean, they've even towed cars that were in close proximity to the building um, just to ensure and then moved them back without the owner even knowing. So we have to protect these high high level people along with, of course, we want to protect everybody with an event that attracts such high level people there's also threats involved with that. And we want to make sure that we're never a target. So we do our due diligence um, through the registration process. We ask a lot of questions. We hone in um, on specific questions depending on their affiliations. For example, we may ask a member of our military additional questions than we do our industry leaders, just so we have a very good picture of who's attending. And then we actually vet all of these registration lists with a bunch of our three-letter agencies, our FBI, our OSI, and many others um, work together. There's a team of about 30 organizations that actually go through every single name on our registration list to ensure that they're there for the right reasons because he is our number one concern and we want our event to not only be successful, but extremely safe. And so we work there. And then um, we continuously do that throughout um, before we reach our event. And then on our actual event days, we drive home to our staff and to our volunteers that help with check-in, how important it is to check IDs um, to badges. We will not issue a badge without a person there with their government official ID. 
We do also have the FBI on site that will periodically um, maybe see a badge and they'll come in and ask us questions about a particular person when they checked in, if they are who they say they are. And also on site, we um, do dog sweeps uh, periodically throughout before, throughout, and after the event, just to see um, if there's anything suspicious or anything that we need to keep on our radar. Wow, that that is elaborate. The only dog sweeping I do is after the dog. (laughs) Now, your show has an exhibit hall, right? With lots of aerospace companies exhibiting over the period of the event, right? That's correct. And actually, um, we have over 300 exhibiting companies, uh, ranging from some of the biggest names out there in the corporate world to some of these new startups. And we actually have grown our exhibit hall so big that we first broke out of the Broadmoor's permanent structure. And we had to um, expand into a pavilion, a very fancy temporary (laughs) structure is what we like to call it. We expanded there for a couple of years to accommodate um, our extra exhibitors. But because we have such a great partnership with the Broadmoor, a five-diamond beautiful resort in Colorado Springs, um, and because they actually just built, I believe, a 90,000-square-foot addition to the exhibit center, and it's basically main, mainly just for exhibits now. So this was supposed to be our first year in the hall. Uh, They worked through holiday break and everything else to get it done for us on time in March, but um, that clearly didn't happen. So now this beautiful hall is just waiting for its grand reveal, but we do have exhibitors, tons, thousands of visitors come around the world to come and network and check out our event. So obviously COVID interfered with that this year, but before we get into that part and how you've addressed it, There's an element of your event that involves sit-down dinners with people of various rank and discipline, and you have kind of an elaborate procedure for seating each one of these meals. Can you tell me how many different meals you have to coordinate and what you have to do on each one to get everybody seated in the right place? Well, it's definitely a task, and we, we have... I believe over 15 dining events in total. However, about seven of them are considered our large scaled events where we actually do assigned seating. And as you mentioned, it's a very complex process. And basically one of the reasons our events and especially our dining events have been so successful is we've been able to kind of bridge a gap between some of our senior military and some of the industry participants. And so A benefit that we offer is we will sell a table, for example, um, to one of our corporate members. And one of their benefits of a corporate membership with our organization is we will seat them with people in the industry or military that they need to talk to, per se. And it gives them a great opportunity to kind of like forced networking. So rather than having to maybe track them down on premises, which especially these high caliber people aren't just going to be approachable, this is a great opportunity for them to be able to be seated with these individuals. So we'll sell a table to a company and then we will guarantee them so many seats with these high caliber people so they can talk business and enjoy a great meal. Uh, With that, that's obviously requires much more than a standard seating application. And so uh, we've been lucky enough to work with you all and have created the dynamics because we base 
things off of military rank, job titles, affiliations, um, civil service rankings, and just make sure that we match up the best people at the table um, with what they're looking for. Have you gotten feedback from your corporate sponsors about how they've come away from one of your events and, you know, have they realized success? You know, what's the impact? They love this dynamic of being able to do that. As you mentioned, um, they don't get those opportunities. And a lot of folks, not even just at our dining events, but most participants and corporate members as a whole, this might be the only event that they send members of their team to or people do because they do more business. That's one of our main feedback that we get. They get more business done in that week than they do for the entire year. And so because of just those and the other opportunities we provide our members, they they continue to not only renew their memberships and continue to buy these tables for those opportunities, but they've actually gone and upgraded since then because they want to reap in more benefits or they want to have more of their members of the team present at some of these unique dining opportunities or these unique networking opportunities. So absolutely, we've gotten nothing but great feedback. We actually have more demand than we have availability. So that's a good thing. And we're looking into ways that we can um, continue to grow it. Also, something that I think our listeners will find fascinating is that, especially our association planners, is that your event actually supports a museum. Tell us a little bit about the Space Foundation Museum. So we do have a local museum. Um, It's the Space Foundation Discovery Center. It's actually located only one mile from the Garden of the Gods Park, which many people know of. And it is a great family place where we do have tons of space artifacts. We have interactive exhibits where kids and adults alike could drive rovers on Mars, play with underwater drones. We have a very unique experience called the Science on a Sphere. It's a suspended globe that has trajectory from every angle, and we get our data sets from NOAA. And you can see things as from weather to air traffic control to, you know, how many Facebook linkages are from one country to the other. And it's just very cool. So we do have that. And the symposium does support those efforts. But in addition to just being open to the public, uh, we do offer field trips where we're always just showered with little kids that are so inspired to learn about space and they just lighten up when they walk in. And so we do field trips. We do experiences uh, called audience with an astronaut. And then we also have a whole team of educators on staff that do not only these field trips and teach the community coming in, but they also do professional development for other teachers to encourage great curriculum for STEM education and to get that spark going. That's great. Let's talk about COVID and how that interrupted your event. I chuckle because you can't possibly duplicate this event virtually. And so you guys didn't try. So what did you do instead? We were scheduled to take off um, with this event on March 30th. And so we didn't pull the trigger until I believe March 16th. So we were, you know, we were up to the very end. We Everything was planned. We already had exhibitors that had shipped stuff in, you know, so it was a very hard decision to make. Obviously one that needed to be made and we're happy. Well, we had to do it and we're happy that we did. 
but we did realize that we weren't, although it was a lost revenue stream, we didn't want to just push something out the door for the sake of pushing something out the door. We've always kind of pushed for the world-class experience and top-notch, and we wanted to make sure that we would still be able to deliver that. And, you know, we did originally postpone the in-person event. We were going to do a hybrid to the first availability that the Broadmoor had, which was the weekend of um, Halloween. But that was pushing up against election. And of course, kid families that have kids want to do the Halloween thing. And we just didn't know if that was going to be our best bet. Plus, we knew we were still going to be battling COVID. So we decided to stay true to our roots and push it out. Um, originally, we were just going to completely postpone it and do it in our normal springtime time period in um, April of 2021. But we wanted to make sure that COVID was clear and that we could bring in all these 15,000 people again in a safe manner. So we made the decision to actually postpone for the first time in all of our years doing the symposium. We'll be holding it in summertime and it will be held August 23rd through the 26th of 2021. Implicit in your event is international travel. What percentage of your guests come from outside the United States? You know, I would say probably a good 20% um, travel from outside of our country. So definitely had to take that into account. And we all hope that that you can pull this event off live next year, not only for the sake of, hey, we all want to get back to normal, but this is such a hyper-productive event for the aerospace industry. It will be, I'm sure, a boon for Space Command and our efforts as a country to develop that military branch. And so we all we all hope that that goes forward. And I want to get into some of the more personal parts of this. And I'm going to call you Space Mom for a minute for a minute because my understanding is that you, a couple of two of your kids uh, they had to get in, go into quarantine, much like astronauts do when they return from space missions. And somehow you've managed to hold it all together. You got to give us a little bit of how did you do that? <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm holding it all together, but I'm doing a good job pretending to. Um, and then I do just want to make they didn't have COVID, but there's they did have a positive case in their school. So their school's been closed down. So I have been doing lots of wearing lots of hats. I have been trying to teach first grade and kindergarten all while trying to maintain a job, my full-time job at the Space Foundation. And also it just so happened at the same time that um, my husband and I own a business and we decided to revamp the website and take on a new software last week prior to the quarantine. So I'm just in the midst of doing everything and I'm doing my best to keep a smile, but this is the new normal, I suppose. And um, yeah, it is kind of like what an astronaut and their families have to deal with after coming back, just kind of um, seclude themselves from the world and just keep looking for the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, it, it's absolutely amazing. And I didn't know about the separate business that your husband had and you having to manage that. I would imagine that only a an event planner <laughs> could actually pull something like that off. So 
My heart goes out to you, and I hope you can hold it together as you enter the next year. Now, are there other events that the Space Foundation has that you need to tend to, or does all of your planning go into that one event annually? Well, you know, we always offer programming throughout the year, whether it's our education programs or programs for our the space report that we produce and other things, but they're much smaller in caliber compared to the symposium. So usually um, outside of 2020, the majority of my time is really honing in on the logistics of the symposium. However, we still, because we did push our in-person events like year and a half past when it was supposed to be held, we didn't want to leave our customers and our audience um, empty-handed. And we wanted to still be able to bring dynamic content and valuable information to not only our members, but to the community. And so we developed this new uh, program. It's called Space Symposium 365. And the idea behind it is that we will deliver premium content 365 days of the year. And how this is different than other events happening and um, maybe other offerings companies are doing is we're not just going to have someone sit down for a full day or a full three days or even a full week and pick and choose what they want to listen to or have them sit in front of a computer the entire duration of the event. We realize people are burnt out virtually. We realize that the attention span um, has decreased over time in this new normal. And so what we've developed is we're still going to have our premium content. So for our subscribers that um, subscribe to this 365 platform, they will get access for 365 days and they have on-demand content for stuff that they've missed and archived uh, information from previous symposias where they can see some of these really great speakers. But we also are going to have live events. And our goal is to have two to three very premium events per month that our subscribers will have access to. Uh, For example, this month. Um, Our first live event is on uh, October 26th, and we will be presenting the uh, our highest bestowed honor, uh, the General James E. Hill Lifetime Space Achievement Award to uh, Gene Kranz, who served as the flight director for, you know, the Apollo 11 and the Gemini and Apollo programs. And so he will be our first live event accepting this prestigious award. And then the following day, we'll have the NASA administrator, Jim Bridenstine, on. And then the next day, we have the Secretary of the Air Force, the Honorable Barbara Barrett. And we'll have General Raymond, who is the standing commander of Space Command currently. So very high caliber people that will offer live spaced out, very short programming. So we keep our audience engaged and we're still delivering that top-notch Space Foundation material. You did say spaced out, didn't you? Yeah. (laughs) It's a new turn on social distancing from the Space Foundation and you heard it here first. Are they going to be filmed on location in a studio and then it's broadcast to your attendees, or are you going to have attendees actually show up in smaller numbers? So for this first phase of the programming, we do have a production team that we will be doing it all in studio and just live streaming. It will all be a virtual experience. 
But our goal is to kind of eventually get into a hybrid type thing where we maybe limit attendance um, for some of these events because I'm assuming, you know, social distancing and thing are not going anywhere anytime soon. And so, for example, our goal would have been when we were presenting Gene Krantz with his award, it would have been nice if we could have had 50 to 100 people present um, during an actual presentation while still live streaming it. But we're just not there yet. But yes, our goal is to kind of do a hybrid of both where some people can come to attend it in live or they can attend it virtually. I think for many of our listeners who are struggling with the decision of whether to run a hybrid, a live, a virtual, postpone it altogether, you've given a good example of a model that ramps into what will likely be possible come, say, third quarter of next year. Tell us where people can go to get information about the Space Symposium and its events and how they can get in touch with you. Great. So our new event, the Space Symposium 365, can be accessed from our spacesymposium.org website. That's where we will keep you up to date with our upcoming live events coming in August. As we secure speakers and solidify events, we will begin to post those on that website. But from there, you will also have a link to our 365 platform. Otherwise, you can just visit spacesymposium365.org. And that will have all the information for the virtual platform that we're offering now, the digital. Uh, they can purchase and log in from there. From the second they purchase, they'd have access to all material. And then just to learn more about the Space Foundation, like I said, we are a nonprofit. We do have the museum in Colorado Springs, but we are always looking for ways to get our education outreach out there. We have a ton of programming that helps um, We work with the Department of Commerce and we just have a lot of programming out there that people would not know. And so I encourage you to visit the spacefoundation.org and learn about um, a lot of the programs that we have to offer. And if you're local or plan to come to Colorado, please be sure to check us out. Today's guest, Director of Customer Operations for the Space Foundation, Randy Rivera. Thank you very much for taking time out of your wildly chaotic life to talk with us today. <laughs> thank you. Well, you kind of quarantined me from quarantine. So thank you for having me. I appreciate it very much. And we'll talk soon. In Any Event is brought to you by EventSquid. If you're running a conference, meeting, training, or any other type of event, visit eventsquid.com to learn about how our software can help you manage everything from registration to promotion and virtual event organization. EventSquid. Thinks like you, works like eight of you. Also, take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and let your planner colleagues know what the new squids on the block are doing. If you know of a guest we should have, please visit eventsquid.com and click the podcast menu item for more information. We hope you'll join us for the next episode. We're planning on it.